Hello from the Pacific Northwest. This is Kristen from KristenWombach.com, and you're listening to Intentional Now Podcast. More people than ever are asking the question, how do we find ourselves on the resurrected side of Jesus? In this show, I discuss what's really on the other side of the torn veil, ascending into heaven, and how does our sonship fix the heart of creation? If you're like me, Jesus has redefined what you say yes to. Join me and my guests in a workshop discussion that proclaims, We're not nailed to the cross or dead in the grave, but fully alive and resurrected in Him. Let's do this. Good afternoon. Good Sunday afternoon. How are you doing? <laughs> How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Listening. How are you doing? I know I'm recording this when many of you are you taking your Sunday afternoon naps. You're probably asking me a question. Hey, Kristen, don't you usually publish on Thursday or Friday? You're absolutely right. But I have been chewing on something. Oh, my goodness. Chewing on some things that I wanted to share with you. But first, I wanted to share them with my church family. And so that's what I did. I actually shared all of my notes of this particular podcast with our church family today. This is what we discussed. This is what came from our pulpit. And we got some really good responses. And I'm going to share those things with you today. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to have a good time. And God's goodness is just going to pour over us today. Amen. So today's takeaways, consistency is about you. Offense is a trap hidden in the forest right in your own backyard. And how to discern a trap before we trigger the snare. Different types of snares shared metaphorically. And this is Hebrew 11 series on faith. Yes, yes, yes. Because faith, it's not a decision. It is a discovery. And that is what we are going to do today. We are going to discover more of his goodness. I'd like to share a passage with you that I'm going to jump back to now and again throughout our talk today. I'm going to ask you lots of questions like I always do. And you know, I have a lot of pregnant pauses because I take it you're answering me. And... I wait and I'm quiet and I expect Holy Spirit to tell me what your answers are. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start here today and I'm just going to frame up our time here together from Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. And this is from the Passion Translation. You are very familiar with this passage. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts 
than your thoughts. For just as the rain and the snow fall from heaven and do not return void without watering the earth, making a bud, a sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. Hmm... That's a good word, isn't it? I told you you were familiar with it. So I want to just kind of continue to frame that up a little bit. So when God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, we are so privileged that Jesus Christ opened the door for us to ascend and ascend into his thoughts, ascend into his ways and know him this way. You know, he lives in us. God lives in us. And there's a oneness and there's a unity. So a lot of times when his thoughts and my thoughts, sometimes you don't know who has the thought. And that is the type of unity and thinking that we are focusing and we're pressing into. Amen. So it's not hierarchical when we say, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And his ways aren't our ways because they are. They are our ways because we're seeking him. So there's a principle here that I want us to frame up here. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. So the principle is from heaven. Heaven is higher than the earth, has a spiritual authority over the earth. We are seated in heavenly places. Therefore, we are seated in that authority above the earth. So now here's your principle. For just as the rain and the snow fall from heaven and do not return without watering the earth, making it bud and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So there's the storehouses of weather that Job talks about. We talk about being seated in heavenly places. So what comes from a heavenly respective in that, that place of agreement it, when it waters, what's its purpose? Its purpose is clearly in this principle that just like a raindrop, what's the purpose of a raindrop? To water the earth. When a seed is watered, it buds, it sprouts, it provides seed to sow, and it provides a resource to consume food to eat. So God says, my word that proceeds from my mouth, God lives in you and lives in me. It will not return to him empty. So I want you to see the whole cycle. It comes from heaven, ascended in heaven. It, it comes through you and your oneness and your relationship with him. And it does not return empty, but it will accomplish what I please and it will prosper where I send it. So today God is sending out a word that will prosper our lives. Amen. So I love this quote from Tom Landry. And if you don't know Tom Landry, and he was um, a football coach for the Dallas Cowboys, an amazing man. So he says, setting a goal 
it's not the main thing. It's deciding how you will go about achieving it and staying with that plan. So today we're also going to talk about consistency. And you know me, I love to look up a word and pick it apart and expand on what do I think about that word and how do I understand it? So consistency, of course, is a regular occurring. It's a dependable nature. It's compatible, accordant. Um, It's a set of statements that don't necessarily have a contradiction, but they're logical and they follow through. As a noun, it's objects or facts that are coexistent. They're in agreement. Consistency has agreement one with another. So if a person is consistent, there is an agreement already within them and you can see it in their actions. So I'm going to continue to jump right in this afternoon. And of course, I'm going to ask you questions. So let me ask you this. All right. What is more difficult to do? Be consistent in joy or consistent in trials? And I'm going to ask you that several times today. So Hebrews 11.1 Persuasion confirms confident expectation and proves the unseen world to be more real than the seen. Faith celebrates as certain what hope visualizes as future. Mm -hmm. So persuasion, what is persuasion? So the act of persuading or trying to do so, it's an addressing an argument to someone with the intention of changing their mind or convincing them of a central point of view, a course of action. An argument, another statement intended, again, to influence one's opinions and beliefs. It's a strongly held conviction, opinion, or belief. Persuasion, one's ability or power to influence someone's opinions or feelings, persuasiveness. I have a question for you in the subject matter of consistency. Who are we persuading? Yep, you got it right. (laughs) Us, we're persuading you and me. You and me, we are the ones that we are persuading ourselves consistently, right? So today, one of my dear friends said, well, we're constantly persuading our thoughts because the word tells us to cast down all imaginations and every thought, every imagination that's lofty, that's high, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, right? That's what um, thoughts are doing. So it's obvious to me, but sometimes it may not be obvious to others. This is what my other dear friend said. She goes, sometimes it's obvious to me and you just don't understand why don't people change. But sometimes it's not so obvious to others. They may be dealing with a type of skepticism. Yeah. Okay, so most people don't have a desire to change. Hmm. 
interesting. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the unfinished book. You are aware of that. I've shared it with you. It's a wonderful book. So that book, as a persuasion, who was who was I persuading? First, myself. I was persuading myself. And second, I, it was for those who already have been persuaded that heaven is open. Heaven is open. And we have the privilege to ascend into its glories. And third, I wrote the unfinished book for those that Holy Spirit was tugging on their heartstrings, telling them there isn't, there is more. So it's, it's a book about memoirs, and it was never meant to coerce or change somebody's mind. But it was meant to persuade me and to persuade others that there is more to his goodness. So got another question. Who do you think was the hardest con- to convince? I'm still talking about the unfinished book. Who was the hardest convinced between my one, two, and three? Yeah, you're exactly right. Me. (laughs) I heard you. That's an easy question, right? So the interesting thing is, is I didn't have to be convinced that heaven was open to me. Mm -mm. I had to be convinced that what I was experiencing is more real than the logic we may see before our eyes. It was more real than the doctrines that were shaking their finger at me. Time and time again, God has persuaded me with the consistency of love. Yeah, so there there was the persuasion. I'm going to share that again. But first, I'm going to jump back here quick because I want to share Hebrews 11.1 1 again so we can see how close they are. Persuasion confirms confident expectation. Mm-hmm. And so that is what I experienced in the commitment and the writing of the unfinished book because what did it do? It proves the unseen world to be more real than the seen. And my faith in your faith celebrates as certain what hope visualizes as the future. So time and time again, God has persuaded me with the consistency of love. The consistency to show up again and again to believe him in the face of love. And, um, yeah, part of my chewing this week (laughs) is love at times is not an easy walk. I hear you out there. There's somebody high five and saying, amen, sister. Now you're preaching it. Okay, well, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper today. (laughs) So courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. Don't you love that? That's that's a quote from Maya Angelou. I'm going to share it again. Courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue of consistency. (laughs) 
Okay, now about that love and consistency. So love never sees sickness as a measurement of wrongdoing. Sickness has no place in the kingdom and no home on our resurrected side of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'll ask you a question again. What is more difficult to do? Be consistent in joy or consistent in trials? <laughs> I know you'd go, but Kristen, what about this? And but Kristen, what about that? I know I got you thinking. We thought about this today, right? So let me share another one of my favorite scriptures, if not my utmost double um, gold star scriptures in the faith row of the heroes highlighted in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 11, Sarah's testimony of faith is just as amazing. It's so amazing. She conceived and bore a child when it was humanly impossible. She believed that God would be faithful to his promise and gave that belief authority over her life. I'm going to share that again. Yep, and I'm going to paraphrase it with you. So Sarah's testimony of faith is just as amazing. She conceived and bore a child when it was humanly impossible. So from my perspective, I read Sarah's story and my mother, very senior, is 88. That's like my mother having conceiving and having a child and raising it right? It's like, ah, see how humanly impossible it is? It, it seems so odd. How is that possible? And of course, my father would be that much more senior, aged, and that same impossibility is there. How is he going to create <laughs> the conceived, right? But I love Sarah and I love what it says here. It says she believed God that he would be faithful to his promise and then gave that belief authority over her life. So her belief literally sat in a place of authority in which she could govern the consistency of her thoughts and her life and her choices and decisions, right? So overcoming sickness, oh, it feels impossible. And it can suck your hope right out of the room. I hear you, yes. But together, we stand in love and let love fuel our hope. We're here together, you and me, listener, we're here together because God is faithful to his promise. And we're going to talk about his promises. We're going to unpack his promises. We're going to pick them apart, step into them, believe them, come into oneness with them. Amen. God is faithful even when evidence would share a different testimony. And that is not easy to say. God is faithful even when evidence would share a different testimony. God is faithful and God is good. 
So one of the most challenging areas of consistency seems to be in the area of health. Now, I've shared with you my journey with my little dog, Dash. I've shared with you her healing journey and what I'm learning and and how creation is responding. And, you know, I've been really honest with you. She challenges me in the area of compassion. And I know you dog people go, now, how does she challenge you, Kristen? Well, well, it's the senseless or the insanity of her itching or chewing herself raw to a point, to a pulp. Yeah, that just, it challenges me day in, day out. It challenges me. I understand you go, well, she has no control over it. I know that. But it challenges me to be compassionate and press forward, believing God that we are on this journey, Dash included, we're on this journey of her being healed and restored. And I can tell you along this journey already, I am learning about creation and how creation is responding bonding to what his promise is, and it's for her to be well. So compassion, moved with compassion, it's a special place inside the heart of our Savior, right? How many times does scripture tell us that he'd come into, oh, he'd come to the crowds of people and he was moved by compassion, And it says that he was moved by compassion. Why? Because he could see that the people that had come to listen to him, to be ministered by him, to come into relationship with him, they were lost. They had no shepherd. They had no guidance. And can you imagine having no guidance and you wouldn't even know how to begin to rightly divide your thinking or your mindset? You'd you'd be clueless, right? It would go back to my girlfriend's statement earlier that some people just aren't aware. They aren't aware or there's just like this spirit of skepticism over over them, right? That's exactly the people that that Jesus had compassion on because he could see they were lost. And I'm not just talking lost in the area of being saved. I'm talking about lost to find that hope. Another great scripture, actually, it's a quote from Tony Robbins. It's not what we do once in a while that shape our lives. Nope, it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our life. It's what we do consistently, consistently. And that's what we're talking today with some different little overtones about consistency, right? Love always opens doors in the kingdom. It opens doors in my life. It opens doors in your life. Love, it just conquers. Amen? So love overcomes offense. Mm -hmm. And offense will come. (laughs) I'll ask you the question again. What is more difficult to do? Be consistent in joy or consistent in trials? 
And what about the trials of relationships? <laughs> Help me, Jesus, right? For all of those of you that are married and have children. Help me, Jesus, right? Well, um, to be transparent with you, this was part of my chewing over the weekend. It just, it, I chewed on it. I had some issues that were just difficult and they were hard and, ah. Uh, so I asked myself really good questions. Let's pick it apart a little bit, okay? And I'm going to use me as the metaphor or me as, um, oh, what would I say? The, the guinea pig here. I'm going to use myself. So let's pick apart the word offend, right? The word offend comes from the Greek word scandalon. It's originally referred to as a trigger of a trap to which the bait was attached. A snare is one of the simplest types of traps you can make that allow you to catch animals, birds using rope, wire, or a cord. So for our discussion, okay, for our discussion, I'm going to share a few snare types. Mm, let's just allow Holy Spirit to open up our hearts to illuminate from these metaphorical snare types, okay? That's all it is. And I know for you tender-hearted people, you can't imagine people doing this with animals, but they're there and we have something that we can learn through them, okay? So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of snares. There is a squirrel noose. It's the classic snare used it has no bait, little supplies, and it lets you easily trap your prey right outside his home. All you need is a wire. <laughs> no bait, nothing. All you need is a wire. Then there's a fixed snare. A fixed snare allows you to catch an animal and to keep it from running away. So you make a fixed snare out of a practically just about anything. Um, durable material, wire, braided steel, cable, etc. And you're making it and it's an ideal snare to use in emergency situations. We're talking hunting, survival skills. However, these snares are usually a one-time use. Mm -hmm. The wires tend to bend and weaken after an animal has been caught. Hmm. I got another example for you. A deer trail snare. Trapping a deer is tastier than any other game you will find in a survival situation. My husband and my boys, yes, are are hunters. So they hunt deer and elk and uh, duck. And let me see what else they hunt. But that is just part of our family culture. Okay. So we're going to talk about a deer trail snare. Okay. So you locate a path where deer travel frequently. 
They look for animal tracks across the trail where shrubbery and bushes overlap into it. And these trails are great to help hide your snare. For this snare, all you need is a paracord, wire, and nature. Hmm. Hmm. And the snare, the trap, is right there in their back door. Right there in a path that they walk all the time. I know, you're hearing me. Believe me, I'm hearing you. <laughs> uh-huh. So a greasy string deadfall. That's another kind of trap. So this is a bait-driven snare. It will catch and it will kill your game. This snare is great to use in survival situations because all you need is a deadfall. What do you say is a deadfall? It's a weight, like a rock that's heavy enough to kill the animal on impact. You could use a forked branch, a stick, a sapling, a twine, and paracord. And all of these items can be found outdoors except for the twine, which should put you in an emergency kit ahead of time. So with the greasy string deadfall, an animal is lured to your string covered in bait. That is called the grease. Mm -hmm. And your bait can be anything from another dead animal, berries, etc. You get my point here, right? So you can decide what type of bait to use based on your animal you're trying to catch. As your prey chews on the string, it will snap and the rock will land on top of the animal. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, then there's a bottle fishing trap. So it's a plastic bottle fishing trap, and it's as simple as it gets when it comes to traps. This trap is ideal for catching small fish, which you can either eat or use as bait for another snare. All you need to make this trap is a water bottle and a sharp knot. So I literally said... A fence is a trap hidden in the forest right in your own backyard. Mm -hmm. So what did we hear by me going through and pulling out these different types of traps and snares? <laughs> Some of them, there's only a wire needed. But the snare and the trap was literally planted in the path that the animal walked back and forth on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Consistent basis. So when I say in your backyard, I'm going, uh, in my backyard. So love conquers offense. And the word offend is like a trigger of a trap to which the bait is attached. <laughs> Did you get that? All right. I I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this in our, our face, so to speak, because that's the only way I know how to explain it, okay? So the word offend is like a trigger on a trap to which the bait is attached. The snare, so offenses pile up and become quarrels. Again, like a forest in our own backyard, we usually don't notice the trap early enough to avoid it. Uh, yep, 
Mm -hmm. So although we can learn to discern more clearly in order to walk more carefully, I put some helps out there. How to discern a trap before we trigger the snare. Self-care. Be consistent to evaluate your identity in sonship. Mm -hmm. So how do I do that? So to evaluate my identity meanings is that I am aware of when I feel weak or overwhelmed. That's why it's called self-care. And also to be consistent in communion. So when you're consistent in communion, I shared it this way this afternoon. It's like I come to the communion table with the Lord and he presents me every day with fresh bread and provides me with the drink of the day, his blood, his wine. In the spirit, it can be many different things. But when I, before I have this transaction or trade with him, he asks me, how are you doing, Kristen? <laughs> and we've had this discussion before in the episodes before, right? How are you doing? Well, you're talking to the Lord. Um, if you're feeling weak or overwhelmed, you're going to talk about that with him. So when you have consistent communion, then that prevents you, that prevents you from feeling weak or being overwhelmed to where that you are aware of yourself and your surroundings. Also, keep a destiny target, meaning where you're going, what you're doing, what God has called you forward to, and what is on the map of your destiny scroll, especially in this season. Those will help each one of us be able to discern a trap before we trigger the snare. And you're probably going, well, Kristen, how'd you figure this out? Because mm, I've tripped a few snares. <laughs> okay, moving along. We're going to get to that, right? In relationships. So people who are quarrelsome or adversarial have tripped the trap and become ensnared. Uh, yeah, ouch, it's a little close to home. Yeah, um, I didn't want to hear that. I mean, I did want to hear that, but oh my goodness, people who are quarrelsome or adversarial. So when this was presented to me, I was already quarrelsome and adversarial, and I then realized I've already become ensnared. <laughs> uh, how did that happen, God? How did that happen? And well, what's worse is that offenses, they can control us. It can control our behavior towards others. You know, and we don't always recognize the fact that ourselves or other people are being held prisoner to do the devil's will. Look up 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, right? So what do I mean by the devil's will? 
I'll answer hmm, another question. Okay? Just a thought. If a wounded animal is backed into a corner, what will be his response if he's threatened in that corner? Uh huh. To wound his attacker so that he can escape. One of my friends today said, Kristen, what do hurt people or wounded people do? They hurt or wound people. Ah, <sighs> I know. They hurt or wound people. So I'm going to turn that on, on myself. If I'm feeling weak, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, or say that I've been hurt. <laughs> right there. Right there. I've been hurt. Right there is that point of the, the snare. Do I allow that to make me quarrelsome? Do I defend myself? Hmm. Okay. Offended people fall into two major categories. Those who have been treated unjustly and those who believe with all their heart that they've been wronged, they've been judged by assumption and appearance and hearsay. Either way, we cannot effectively escape from the trap through more agitation or argument, but only through forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Yeah, I'm going to read that again. We are getting somewhere. I know this is a, a heavy subject. There is freedom at the end. <laughs> Offended people fall into two major categories. I can talk about this because I dealt with being offended this week. Mm -hmm. So number one, those who have been treated unjustly. <sighs> have you been treated unjustly? <laughs> it doesn't feel very good. Also, remember what my girlfriend said about why is it that some people just never walk through the door of change? Could they be the people, right, that have been wronged? They feel judged by assumption, appearance, and hearsay. Hmm. Either way, we cannot effectively escape from the trap through more agitation or argument, but only through forgiveness and total forgiveness. Mm -hmm. We cannot escape the trap that has already been loosed. Uh, I know. Oh, I cannot escape the trap that's already been loosed uh, via agitation or argument. Hmm. Uh, let me ask you this. Okay. I'm picking this apart because we're going to get to some good freedom. Okay. What is more difficult to do? Be consistent in joy <laughs> or consistent in trials? What about being consistent in forgiveness? Let's jump back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Persuasion confirms confident expectation. 
and proves the unseen world to be more real than the seen. Faith celebrates as certain what hope visualizes as future. Persuasion confirms. What are we confirming? (laughs) Confident, confident expectation. Again, what's more difficult to do? Be consistent in joy or consistent in trials? Huh. Confident. That's what he has shown us in heavenly places. This is the place where we set our expectation of faith. (laughs) Faith is not a decision. It's a discovery. It is a discovery. It is vital that we experience his goodness, experience heaven, ascend into him and know him in us. Faith, it's unseen, but not unnoticed. Faith is not invisible, but clearly visible by him. Faith moves mountains, but the journey may be to rule and reign on the mountain instead of moving it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear ya. I'm saying that again. Confident that he has shown us in heavenly places is the expectation of our faith. Just like Sarah, she believed God and she gave that belief authority over her life. That's where her faith sat, the expectation of faith. And it's vital that we experience his goodness, experience heaven, ascend into him and know him. Faith is unseen, but not unnoticed. Faith is not invisible, but clearly visible by him. Faith moves mountains, but the journey may be to rule and reign on the mountain instead of moving it. Faith brought into reality an offspring beyond calculation. (laughs) From one as good as dead to children, Sarah, she was a good, both Sarah and Abraham, good as dead to children. This promise would be born more numerous than the stars, as impossible to count as the grains of sand on every distant seashore. (laughs) The outermost parts of the earth bordered by the seashore will know the blessings of righteousness by faith, which is the blessing of Abraham meant for the entire world. 1 Peter 1.3 Hmm. Consistency. Now, remember where we started. I'm going to kind of sew this up uh, with a little bit of transparency in the middle of my stitch. (laughs) So faith is not a decision. It is a discovery. Remember, we started at at Isaiah 55. 
for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. So where do we get those higher ways and those higher thoughts being in him, ascended in him, in our unity and oneness in him. And then what do those higher thoughts and higher ways, what happens? For just as the rain and the snow fall from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making a bud and sprout and provide seed to sow and food, to eat. I'm going to hold that last portion here for a minute. So over the course of the week, and I'm the guinea pig here, I must admit I felt myself argumentative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in relationships and married, I've been married 37 years. You run into some bumps uh, now and again, right? Some seasons that are difficult. So in this argumentative state that I found myself, I understand forgiveness, right? So I'm going to talk to the ladies here for just a minute. Just the ladies. Everybody else can kind of turn it off. So when we get hurt, you know, this hurt kind of responds and it kind of sits on us in our heart. How we know, forgive, forgive, forgive. And what do we do? We immediately run. We say, I forgive this person. Da, da, da. I forgive him for this. I release them of my punishments and judgments. You forgive, right? But then again, <laughs> okay, again to the ladies. I'm trying to, to figure out how to share and always remain in honor and respect. Yeah. So obviously my husband and I were having some bumpy words through the week and I took some of those words um, and they offended me. So all of a sudden, as what I've expressed in this episode, that offense, all of a sudden I go, jeez, the trap, the snares already, the trigger's open. Um, that didn't feel good. Oh, God, the trigger's already open. Now what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? Um, what do I do? Now get this. Um, so the, tr the trigger is already open. I'm caught in the, the, the snare and it's a fence and there it is. And I know that I know that I know, um, we got to get rid of the offense. It's a spirit of offense. Eh, not good. Cause what if, a, what does a spirit of offense do? It comes and it locks you in a prison and it, it blocks your flow. So here I am going, no, this isn't good. Help me, Jesus. Help, Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. And then, um, so we had church this weekend. It's in our home. We have a home church. Been having home church for, what, 15 years? Awesome. 
Heart of the Valley Community Church. Awesome bunch of people. Yay. And so my husband got invited to go on a fishing trip. So I asked him before he went on a fishing trip if he would clean the bathroom, his bathroom. I'm a mom of boys. And so when we have had more than two bathrooms in our home, there'll be the boy bathroom and my bathroom. (laughs) And I don't clean it. They learn that's their responsibility. So I'd ask them, even though, hmm, so my heart is already um, not in a good place. And remember what I said that, ladies, this is just for you. Sometimes, um, do you ever respond and like put your husband in the doghouse? I know I have you laughing right now. Okay, we're just talking about life here. This is this is real. This is life here. So, you know, your heart is hurt. So you kind of keep your arms pushed away because you're hurt, right? And so he's in the doghouse and he goes fishing with our sons, which is wonderful. He caught some salmon. That's wonderful. But you'd think, wouldn't you think that if you were in the doghouse in a relationship, that maybe, because I asked him to clean the bathroom. And that maybe you, um, you'd want to clean up the mess. You know, you'd, you, oh, how would I say that? <laughs> I know you're getting me. <laughs> I, I, I know you are. So needless to say, remember, I'm already standing in a snare trap of an offended spirit. And my husband encouraged and packed up and ready he goes fishing for the weekend and no he didn't clean his bathroom Uh (laughs) i know it is not a third world problem it's a relationship problem and i was angry um are you kidding (laughs) are you kidding And so, all right, so here I am. I'm going, um, God, I need help here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And you could just see that spirit of fence, which I was naturally ensnared in. I'm going, I got to get rid of this. I got to get rid of this. I got to get rid of this. I, 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 and yes, I'd already say, I forgive my husband for this. I forgive for this. I already know all that. But there it is. There it is. It's going round and round and round in my head. And I was, I can't believe that he didn't clean the bathroom. Yeah, I hope you're laughing at me now. (laughs) So I'm standing in my bathroom, right, in front of the mirror. And I'm trying everything that I know to do. I go, God, I need your help to get my thoughts right, my heart right. I mean, right to that place of freedom where there's peace. And you know what he said with me? He said, Kristen, you go clean that bathroom right now. I did. (laughs) I went and I cleaned that bathroom. Why? It wasn't for any response 
regarding my husband. That's not what it was about. It's that I needed to put my forgiveness and my authority to say offense. You are out of here. You have no place in my life, in my brain, in my mind, in my heart, in my relationships, in my family. And it was my faith moving. It was my faith moving to say you're out of here. And I went and I cleaned uh, yeah, the men's bathroom, the, the boy bathroom. Mm, I don't think I need to see any, say any more, but it was not good. <laughs> and I cleaned it. And when I finished cleaning it and putting away my supplies, I was free. I was free of that spirit of fence that had snared me. <laughs> Ooh, I can feel that one. <laughs> you know, this is life. This is this is the communion that we have with him. Faith is not a decision. It is a consistency of discovering his goodness. And like, you know, Isaiah 55, what do you say? My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. <laughs> um, two or three hours ago, uh, if he would have asked me to go clean the bathroom, I would have gone, are you nuts? <laughs> but he knew what he was doing. For as high as the heavens are, higher than the earth. And so his ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts, than your thoughts. And this is the principle here. <laughs> For just as the rain and the snow fall from heaven, and they do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat. Because what does his word do? That proceeds out of his mouth into my hearing. It will not return to him empty. And that's what I was doing. I was taking his word and by cleaning that bathroom, it was not returning to him empty. I would not give his words back to him empty. And it did accomplish that which he sent and it did prosper me and it freed me from a spirit of offense. Whew. Hand me the Kleenex box, please. As you can clearly hear, <laughs> I like doing life. I'm talking about life and the goodness of God and how he helps me to process life. That's why I say, let's do this. <laughs> I trust that as Holy Spirit moved upon my heart, that he moved upon your heart and touched you and helped you. <laughs> I'm glad I shared it with my church family. You know, I was sitting there and it's Sunday and we're sitting outside because it's gorgeous outside in Oregon. 
this summer month, um, beginning of August. And oh, I just went, Lord, really? This is such a heavy thing to talk about. <laughs> Can we talk about some joy stuff today? And it just wouldn't leave me, just like it wouldn't leave me when I got to get my podcast on, God. <laughs> it wouldn't leave me. Because our journeys that we walk, we're to walk with each other, hand in hand, helping each other to know the goodness of God. <laughs> well, it is Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to take a nap, but I'm going to go outside and sit in my papa's on chair and drink some more of my lovely lemon water and enjoy. I'm going to go listen to this episode and go, oh, wow. <laughs> I always do. <coughs> Excuse me. If this episode is blessed to you, I invite you as a patron, I invite you to share the episode with your friends. I invite you to come find me on social media. There's so much good stuff. You know the drill, don't you? <laughs> I appreciate you so much. And I trust you. That's why I share these life application. That's why we talk about life. Because heaven is real. <laughs> that unseen realm is real. And it frees, frees us. It frees us and gives us freedom. Well, oh, breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> Thank you for listening today and walking with me. And I just appreciate your comments. You can come find me on social media. <laughs> doggy collect self <laughs> that's what being in love with Jesus Christ is right it's unity we're not very far away are we we're sitting in the same room walking through life and a journey holding hands well this has been a privilege and an honor to share my life. And I trust that my life sharing it and the little nuances that Holy Spirit gives me bless your life. <laughs> if you want to talk more about it, just give me a hoot and a holler. It's easy to get a hold of me. You have an absolutely wonderful, blessed, and marvelous day. And I will talk to you again next week. Okay? Bye now. <laughs>